Hey guys, and welcome to another podcast episode. Today's uh, an episode which I'm really excited about because I really enjoyed recording this episode. I had a guest uh, on the podcast in this episode, and her name is Deanna. And we spoke, obviously, about language learning, but about a lot of different things as well. And it turned out to be a really interesting conversation. Uh, We first met online on Instagram, but then the first proper conversation we had was at the Polyglot Conference this year, which was online in a, a French breakout room. And I think she's really cool. I think she's really interesting. And I think you guys will too. So I'll give you a little bit of an overview of how the conversation played out. Uh, we spoke about we spoke about many things, but among them were was uh, the difficulty of escaping English when you're trying to learn other languages, uh, language exchanges, and the benefit of language exchanges, and a little bit of how we go about doing language exchanges, how Deanna learns languages, extroversion in language learning, how I actually learn French, uh, how you can interact with your target language without even leaving your home city and studying at university and, and studying overseas. And we shared a lot of cute little anecdotes and there was some good banter and everything. So it was a lot of fun. Uh, if you want to have a closer look at what was in the episode, what I'll do is I'll put in the podcast description some timestamps so you can have a look at when we spoke about the different topics. So you can just go have a look now and get a little bit of an overview of what happened in the podcast. Um, also, there will, there will be a transcript of the conversation in the, in the podcast description. So you can go click there and you can read along at the same time. And that transcript will be particularly useful because there are times when we are not speaking English, particularly towards the end of the episode, we switched into French. So what I'll do on the, in the transcript, I will have not only the French transcription of what we were saying, but also an English translation of what was said. So if you want to, if you don't speak French and we hit that point and you still want to follow along, then you can go and have a look at the transcript. All right. So without further ado, uh, let's get into this. It's going to be, uh, hopefully you'll, you'll enjoy listening to this as, as much as I enjoyed having the conversation. All right. Welcome to the podcast. We've made it, (laughs) we've made it through the technical difficulties and now we can actually get started. So everyone. I'm here with Deanna, but I will actually let her do most of the introduction of herself because she obviously knows more about herself than I do. Um, So I actually want to start with a really open-ended, who are you? Like, I'll I'll let you, I'll let you run with that how you will, but I, you know, I've got more follow-up questions to get to know you as well. All right. So hi, everybody. Thank you for having me here. Um, My name is Deanna, uh, although, as you said, some people mistake it for Diana. (laughs) So I'm Deanna. Um, I'm 25 years old, a French mechanical engineer uh, working for now in Paris. Uh, I'm also a huge fan of languages, uh, probably because of my background, because I was born in Germany. And then after a couple of years in Germany, I moved to Africa in Guinea where I lived also for a couple of years. And then with my family, we came to France, uh, several places in France, and now we are in Paris. Um, And for my study, I also went to Japan and part in in Germany as well. And now I'm working for an American company where I get to work with people from all around the world, so I love it. 
And yep, that's a small image of uh, who I am. <laughs> My goodness. A lot of that I didn't know. A lot of that came as a surprise to me. Wait, so you were born in Germany? Right. What? <laughs> when did you wait? So you were born in Germany, but when did you then move? So I was born in Germany because of my parents' study. They met there and then uh, they ended their study there. And when they finished, we went back to African Guinea when I was around four years old. Did you say Guinea? Guinea. How do you call this country then? You know, uh, Guinea Conakry. And in French, we say Guinea. La Guinea Conakry. I think it's. I think it's just Guinea. I hope I'm not getting it Guinea, wrong. Guinea, right? Yeah. Oh, no. So on, it's... on your Instagram profile, I saw that there was a Mali flag. Right. So my okay, that's that's part of. Um, so my mom is from Mali and my dad is from Guinea, right? So I would say, culturally speaking, we would tend to say that I'm from Guinea, which is true. I'm from Guinea as well. But uh, unfortunately, my dad never really spoke to me in his language. So like my mom speaks to me in Bambara, uh, and which is one of the languages spoken in Mali. And that's why I tend to be more um, close to this part of, uh, of my identity, which is Mali, because I understand the language, although I have a terrifying accent when I speak it. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that's why in the languages, you know, flags I'm using, I'm using the one from Mali because it's uh, a language from Mali that I speak. I don't speak Susu, which is the language my dad speaks from Guinea. Right. Could you repeat the repeat the language from Mali? Yeah, it's called Bambara. 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 Yeah. I wonder how we'd pronounce it in English because I've never heard of it, so I couldn't. I, I wouldn't know. Okay. I can't tell though. <laughs> For this That's one, cool. I don't know Bambara. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't be able to help you on that one. That's very cool. So you were born in Germany, and then you. I don't want to get this wrong because you just said it, but then then you went and moved back to Guinea. Right. I, I, and then for how long were you in Guinea? Wait, how long were you in Germany before you went to Guinea? And then how long were you in Guinea before the next place? Uh, so I was in Germany until I was like four years old. Then we went to Guinea for almost the same amount of time, like three years, three and a half. And then I came to France when I was around like, yeah, seven, eight years old. Oh wow. What an interesting like what an interesting upbringing. You see I was I yeah. was born in Melbourne and I still live in Melbourne and I've always lived in Melbourne. <laughs> but it's nowhere near as exciting. So um, but it's it's still cool because if people ask you questions about Australia or Melbourne, I feel like you would be able to really you know, have a good grasp of the place. Whereas for me, I've moved so much that if you ask me things about Germany or things about Guinea or Mali, I would not feel as confident as someone who spends, I don't know, 10, 15, 20 years over there. So I feel yeah. like there's also great things about being in a place, you know, and you really know where you're from and, and everything about your roundabouts. That might be true, but I'm also not so confident <laughs> that I'd be able to answer all of these questions about Australia and things. I might still struggle, but I do un I do understand what you're getting at. Right. So your dominant language is still French though, right? Exactly. Would you yeah. would you say that's your mother tongue or would you be like, "Oh, it's kind of a little bit a little bit of German as well?" No. Okay. I, I would say I head. would say French for sure. Yeah, I would definitely be French because 
um, I studied in French. I studied from um, middle school to all the way to university. It was all French. Um, I spoke French home. I my friends. I speak French with them. Um, for and strictly speaking, like I've grown up in France as well. Like you know, when my personality was really formed. So definitely, I'm French <laughs> for okay. for that and uh, mother tongue French as well. Right. Yeah, because it's also a question of identity as much of it is a question of kind of what's the dominant language. This is the interesting thing. You see, for me, I'm my English is so dominant, it's not even funny because not only have I lived in Australia my whole life, but a lot of people still have English as a very strong language because of the media surrounding the language and then also kind of its prevalence how like it's so useful to learn everyone's taught it from such a young age that even if it's not their mother tongue they end up speaking it really well so for me i have english as a mother tongue plus all of these secondary pressures like the media this and the importance of english making it just so dominant it's not even funny like i'd like to think my french is pretty good but even then it's like not even close I would say I, I've, I've heard you speak French and it's it's really interesting how you use a lot of colloquial expressions that makes it sounds very natural. Um, and so, well, I know English makes it's it's really hard as an English native speaker to get really, I would say, maybe into another language because English is everywhere. And even when you meet people who are learning like or with who you would like to make an English like language exchange, there's usually really good at English as well, or at least English is everywhere. So I guess immersion for you it must be different. I mean, as an English speaker, wherever you go, it's in English. You'll have menu in English. You'll have the airport. The signs are in English wherever you go. So for sure, immersion must be quite complicated sometimes. Yeah, it's a, it's a, I don't know. It's a good and a bad thing simultaneously. Like obviously you're in a, you're in almost an advantageous, advantageous position because English is so important and you speak it really well, just kind of you just, it's almost like you come out of the womb and you're like, you speak, you know what, you know what I'm saying? It's your native language. And so I'm, I'm filming a podcast, dad. <laughs> nice to meet him. <laughs> I just got given a uh, egg custard bun. Thank you. Wow. <laughs> okay. I'll, it's really hot. So maybe I'll eat it throughout the course once that's cooled down. Um, yeah, so going back to English, it's like, it's really hard to escape. I, I've been, I mean, I'll give a couple of examples, the things which come to mind, which I think are interesting. The first one being, it's really hard to do language exchanges, like you mentioned, because everyone's English is so good, which means for you to be able to kind of hold your own in a language exchange and not have the language of conversation always default to English, you have to be really good. Like I'm in Chinese at the moment, um, I'm doing some language exchanges where I'm speaking with people and it's really hard to speak Chinese because of course my Chinese, I'm at the beginning of the, of my Chinese journey, but it seems like all, everyone I speak with, no, not, none of them are at the beginning of their English journey. It feels almost impossible to find them. And there's other things like it's sometimes hard to find, like I look for subtitles for a, for a series or something. And I'll find the English subtitles and I won't find the original language subtitles. It's tough. 
but I, I know the, and I, here I am like saying it's tough, but really, you know, it's not tough. I know this is like, these are good problems to have in the scheme of things. I, but I, I still agree with you. I mean, honestly, I mean, I'm picturing, for instance, the travel for you as having subtitles everywhere. Um, just the fact that, for instance, when, I, when I'm watching a show, if I'm watching like um, a, a Korean show and I have English subtitles, it will slow down my my word acquisition. Like, because I've, I will see it in English and my brain will process it in English and then not care about anything else. So I'm, I'm imagining you traveling and even though you're seeing all these like signing like Chinese signs, if it's translated right like below in English, then maybe your brain will just be like, oh yeah, right, this means this and that's it, right? So for sure, and and I also get, because my usually when I'm looking for language exchange partners, I also offer to speak in English with them. Um, and so when it's, <laughs> be careful with that. <laughs> when I'm it's also in the... <laughs> when when uh, we're both comfortable with english and we start having interesting conversation in english it's rather hard to go back to your targeted language and be introducing your hobby <laughs> when you guys just talked about the new situation in france or what do you think about the next election and then you're like oh by the way i really like to dance <laughs> and that's all the only thing you can say in your targeted language but i think it's still it's still worth it it's still important to to try it out and just push yourself or with your you know language you're learning yeah that's that's the interesting thing about when you're a language learner it's not just about the conversation you're having it's about what language the conversation is in as well and so that like it's ex what you just said it, it can be a problem where maybe you have multiple languages in common and let's say you want to practice language A, but you're both more proficient in language B. So what you kind of, it's almost like you have to choose between having a more interesting conversation or having the conversation in exactly. the language which you want to be practicing. Exactly. This is, that's why, like you said, it's a bit difficult when there's such a discrepancy between the language you're learning and the actual language that the other person is learning or that you guys are both speaking English. Because I have like uh, this friend of mine I've met, like I think it was, it was two years ago who he's Korean, but we used to speak only Japanese. And I would want to say one thing or two in Korean and then they'd be like, okay, that was it. Let's, let's go back to Japanese. <laughs> and so at some point he was like, come on, Yana, I know you can do it. Let's, let's try in Korean. I was like, it's going to be so boring for you. I'm so sorry. But then in the end, it's like a lot of fun. Me saying stuff that I have nothing to do with what I actually want to say. And so, <laughs> but it's still a lot of fun. But yeah, you know, it's, if you are with someone you kind of trust and who's willing to, to drag you, right. Be like, okay, it's going to be fine just try still try again etc it's still i think it's still okay whenever i'm speaking french with someone who's like really starting i'm pushing them like okay you can say that come on try another way etc so and then the person feel more like tr like trusting you and willing to try and say stuff and so that's that's cool as well I, we, i've got so many i've got so many topics so i want to talk to you about i like i don't even know where to begin <laughs> I mean, now, now that we're talking about language exchanges, we might as well run with that. Um, what languages do you speak and what languages exchanges have you done in them? 
Um, okay, so with different level of fluency, right? <laughs> That's always the thing. What languages do you speak? So French, because you know, I'm French. Um, I speak German because um, I, I was born in Germany when I was when I went to like how do you call that? Um, uh, what's what's before when you're like three years old? Kindergarten, yeah. It's, it a, went it's to a kindergarten German word then. as well. Kindergarten, genau. Yeah, and so yeah. I was like, why? How would you say it in English? <laughs> so uh, I used to speak like German at the time, but you know, it's like baby level. And then I went to Africa where I didn't really speak German. I kind of lost it and then I felt, no, I need to go back to German. And so I spoke German with my mom, forcing her to speak to me in German because she speaks German. And so in the end, I took it at school and now I can speak it again, thankfully. Uh, I speak, uh, so Bambara, which is more, which is the weird part of my brain is that I understand everything. But when I speak, I struggle so hard and my accent is so French, but I, I still, I'm still happy I can understand uh, and speak it. Um, although it's not fluent, fluent. Then I speak Japanese, um, Korean, I'm learning, uh, but I can have like, you know, everyday life conversation. Um, I'm, I've been learning Portuguese and Arabic, um, which are the languages where I'm the weakest at, but Portuguese now I can also have conversations, but that's because it's really close to French. So that's really helpful after Japanese and Korean, you know? And Arabic is my new challenge. I've always wanted to learn Arabic. And finally, I got to find like a, a Italki teacher. She's amazing. And I've been learning with her for maybe four or five months now. Okay. And for every language you learn, do you, do you end up doing a language exchange? I like, like, how do you go about your language exchanges? Like, I know you kind of end up meeting people and then you end up doing calls with them and it becomes a language mm. exchange, but like, yeah. What do you do? How do you what, what what has happened in your experience with these languages with kind of language exchanges in the most general sense of the word? Yeah. Um the thing is it's really different from one language to the other, right? Uh but let's say there's like maybe one pattern I I try to keep for all of those although you know, I was a huge anime and uh, Japanese culture fan. So I've been kind of in it since I was like eight years old. So when I started it was, I had this advantage of knowing vocabulary that I didn't realize I knew before. Whereas with Arabic, it was like <laughs> starting from zero. But what I try to do usually, I would start with um, getting a grasp of really basic vocabulary. Just anything that would help me self-introduce myself. Like, okay, my name is, I'm 25 years old, I live here, et cetera. Just something where I could introduce myself to people with. Once I do that, I start grasping really basic grammar. That would be uh, maybe present tense conjugation. So I can make just basic sentence like I'm eating this, I like this, I don't like this, et cetera. So that gives me like a sort of ground to be able to start really easy, easy conversation. To this point, um, I'm looking for any Siri movie that could help me understand a bit how the people are speaking, um, the, be it the pronunciation, be it um, the tone they're using, and sometimes really fun or words that comes over and over and over. For instance, when I started Arabic, I started this show called um, uh, Grand Hotel, and they, they always said Yani. I didn't know what that means, but it feels like it's a word that comes often like like in English, which would not be in a book when people say, well, I, I like this, like I would do this, like, etc. And after that, when I have this small, you know, foundation, I'm directly looking for someone to practice with because it's, I need to speak it. If I don't speak it, I'm just going to 
put a huge discrepancy between my reading and writing ability or how I can understand and what I can say. So usually I would start looking for someone at this stage where I can maybe conjugate in present tense and I know like basic vocabulary about what I like, uh, where I live and introducing myself. But I'm really um, extroverts and outgoing. So I don't mind saying stuff that are wrong. Like I would speak like someone who never went to school, <laughs> but with a quite decent accent because I, I don't mind, right? I'm like, babies learn that way. I can try, you know, we just blurt stuff out and we see. So I know it depends on people. Some people rather have really solid grammar and be completely sure about their language skills, like grammarly speaking and vocabulary before starting to have conversation. I'm the opposite. I wanna learn with a native to sound more native at some point. Yep. Yep. No, I, uh, I think I'm like that also. I'm, uh, I'm at least towards that end of the spectrum of uh, like, if you kind of talk about, I don't know, some, if you talk about it in terms of some language learning spectrum where you have people who are wanting to talk from day one, not afraid of making mistakes. They sound ridiculous because they haven't spent enough time getting the input before producing the output. Let's say that's one end of the spectrum. And then the other end of the spectrum is the people who spend a lot of time getting input and building up before they then go and start producing output. I am probably also more on the side of the people who are producing output, maybe even before they should be. Um, but like, yeah, like you said, I think it does come down to the individual. And for me, I kind of learn languages to speak with people. So I like to start doing that very early on in the piece because it motivates me and I find it fun. Um, like I'm doing it with Chinese already and I really, sh if I, you know, I can't say that much. I probably only know a few hundred words and yet I'm trying to have conversations and yeah, I, I, I enjoy doing it anyway. Yeah, right. it's, yeah. It's, it's definitely something that makes you feel comfortable as well. I know I'm the type of person, if I hear my targeted language in the subway, I might come talk to you. I mean, I've done that several times, so for sure. Um, as well as you said, exactly, it's motivating me because you go from, I could not understand hello from you like a couple of weeks ago, and now I can kind of introduce myself and we can have a really basic conversation you know and we can progress together but for me it's it's really important when I when I started Portuguese uh, I remember I, I found this this girl who's amazing in, in Brazil and both of us had zero level for her in French and for me in Portuguese and after like a year we're having full conversations in French and in Portuguese so for me it's also great if you can find like a good language partner you trust you know who becomes like a friend and you guys kind of grow together. Uh, for me, my Japanese was the same. I was level zero. I started hanging out with Japanese people who <laughs> at some point would tell me, Diana, you know, when we speak with you, it's like, you can speak Japanese, but you never really studied it. So, <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I know guys, this is because of you. <laughs> so it's definitely, you know, people often say you need immersion. Um, and well, nowadays with Corona and even before sometimes just money wise, you can't just immerse yourself um, in the place, but surrounding yourself with the language for me is already immersion. If you're watching stuff in the, your targeted language, if you found people who can speak to you and it's not even like studying anymore, but still you are in the language, like in your everyday life. I feel that's, that's kind of mm, helping you making progress even without realizing. So 
for sure. Even if you're not super comfortable um, with the idea of speaking with someone at an early stage, you still need to incorporate it in your language journey at some point. Otherwise, it's going to sound off if you're not using it and forcing your brain to, you know, be in conversations because that's the goal of the language at some point. Yeah, unless you're like an academic who's like purely focused on reading or something. But yeah, I, right. I think most people are probably wanting to speak at some point. Uh, and then um, uh, you said something I wanted to come uh, wanted to come back to. Uh, I'm drawing a blank now. Um, <laughs> this is the thing. This is what happens. Like I wanted to. I want to make sure I'm listening and not thinking too much about what I want to say next. And then the moment comes for me to speak and I've for forgotten what I wanted to say because I was listening. Um, I'm sorry I speak so much too. It's not helpful. Feel free to interrupt, by the way, because I'm super talkative. So no, really, no, 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 just... it's good. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm enjoying listening. Um, oh, this is what I wanted to say. Uh, the other thing is at some point you want to it's not necessarily, um, it's not just about learning the language, but it's also about like exposing yourself to the culture, right? And seeing the place. So for example, at the moment on the, uh, with the people I'm doing my Chinese language exchange with, a lot of the conversation is in English because I can't, can't handle a lot of Chinese, but I'll like see a university dormitory on video and I'll be like, wow, this is really cool. And I'll like, they'll send me. And then because I've made this friendship, they'll like send me videos of them at the library or them at Starbucks in China. And I'm like, this is really cool. Like I got a video, um, got a video today from one of the people I'm doing a language exchange with and they were going to a KTV, which is like a karaoke place. Ooh. And that's a, that's a word. That's like a phrase we learned in the textbook. I'm like, surely they don't say KTV. Surely. And then, and then I get this video like, yeah, I'm walking by the KTV. Um, and there's like, it's written KTV. So I'm like, I'm like seeing China. I'm making a Chinese friend. I'm being exposed to the culture and the place, even though it's virtual. And so I might not be able to handle the conversation in a conversation in Chinese yet, but there's other, there's other kind of meta-linguistic things going on, which is important right. for language acquisition, kind of cultural acquisition, if you could call it that, or like just exposing yourself to that world. Um, so I think that's definitely another thing which makes language exchanges interesting. I, I completely agree. And then I remember I saw one of your videos on Instagram and I found it amazing because I would not have the guts to do that, or at least at the time I wouldn't, uh, where you went for job hunting in like, it was a Chinese restaurant or so. It was, I thought that was so cool. I did. I only did this a few days ago, actually. That's so cool. That was only That's a few so days ago. Cool. Yeah, I went to, there's a, here in, I, I realized that here in Melbourne, there is just, there's just so many Chinese people and there are these Chinese sub communities where I realized there's an opportunity with the Chinese language, which I've never had before with any other language. I, ha I didn't have it with French. I didn't have it with Spanish. Um, like I haven't had it in the same way. And that is to take advantage of the community here in the place in which I live. I don't have to go to China to go to Chinatown. You know what I mean? So yeah. What I did is there's a, there's a place which is really, there's a suburb, which is really close to me where it's like, it's like China, it's like a Chinatown. It's not the Chinatown in the CBD 
in the city, but it's like a, uh, a suburbia Chinatown. So there's a suburb. I don't. The word doesn't translate well into French. Like it's like imagine the geographical location of Le Bonlieu, but it's mm-hmm. not Le Bonlieu. It's like still it's like houses and not apartments and it's okay i don't know how to describe it here we call would it that be suburbs. like kind of kind of uh okay so that would be it's not la banlieue but it's like in between la banlieue and le, le centre-ville or maybe maybe oh okay because oh, okay. here in australia we don't have we don't really i banlieue? don't know yeah not in the same way so <laughs> all right anyway the point is it's chinatown like there are signs in chinese you walk into a shop and most like you're there's a chance you're going to be the only like white person and everyone else will be Asian, mainly Chinese. Uh, you go and you'll speak, you like, if you went and spoke to a person, a, a store clerk or like a, the wait, waiter, they're going to, they, like, chances are they speak Chinese. It's that kind of place. And so I said, ah, you know what? Let's, let's do something cool. Let's go and apply for jobs in this place. <laughs> so I like walked into, walked into shops and because my Chinese is not good, I'm not good at like the pleasantries beforehand. I'm not like, good at like, hi, how's it going? I'm just walking around today. Um, I just, ha- I just had, just had lunch next door and I'm wondering if maybe you have some job openings, you know, you see how it's really soft and it's kind of, you lead into it. I don't know how to do that in Chinese. So I like walked into the place and I was like, uh, which is like, hello, I'm looking for work. <laughs> so really, Hi, do you have a job? <laughs> Who are you? <laughs> I, I, I actually, I actually haven't heard back from any of the places yet, but it was only a few days. Ago, so but I think it's hopeful. an amazing, when, when I saw that, I thought, oh, wow, that's, crazy good because in france have you, you so you were in france right you you've done like was it a year ext- uh, like it was um, three weeks it was three weeks oh my god you're I so went, good okay <laughs> i went to lyon for three weeks lyon okay so okay you were in lyon for three weeks and then i'm like yeah obviously you've been here for a year okay that was three <laughs> weeks and so and so okay so have you been during those three weeks have you had the chance to come to paris or or not no <laughs> No. When, when oh, I say okay. I went to Lyon, I went to Lyon. <laughs> That's not true. I also went to Annecy. Annecy. Okay, Annecy. Close. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Annecy. Yeah. Mm, I know. I know. Okay. Good. Well. Okay. So what I like about big cities, uh, like Paris, for instance, is as you said, you have those community. You can find those, like the Chinese district, the Indian district, the let's say more black district, whatever. There's all these communities. So when you're targeted language, you can do what you, you've done, right? So I didn't go all the way up to looking for a job in these like a restaurant, etc. But what I would do, right? Because at some point I was like, okay, I'm, I need to speak it. I need to speak it. And I didn't know about Teletalk, Italki, Tandem, none of those at the time. I was just like, okay, I started a bit. I need to practice. And so there's this Japanese district in Paris uh, called Rue Saint-Anne. Uh, it's like a, like a street, but then all the small street comings from there as well are full of Japanese restaurants and draft, Japanese craft shops and so on. I would literally go there by myself, which is, as you know, not culturally the French thing to go eat by yourself. We don't do that here, but I would go <laughs> sit, you know, their, their Japanese restaurants are usually small, like the real one um, in, in, in France. And so I would go by myself sitting in front of the guy who are cooking like ramen and all these Japanese dishes. 
And at some point, I would just be like, <laughs> and they'd be like, what the hell? <laughs> they should just speak in Japanese. And I would just chit chat with like the, I would chit chat with like the people from the restaurant. And that was really how I would come often and they would recognize me at some point and just, I would order in Japanese and start speaking with them in Japanese and try to interact with them. And as they spoke to one another in Japanese, it would be like, oh my God, this is real. It was so fun. So for you to be immersed in working there i think it's an amazing opportunity it would it would be so cool and if even if not then you can always go back to that district right as you said most people there would speak chinese like you're learning mandarin or yeah, mandarin chinese yeah. mandarin right and so that would be like i don't know that would be that's amazing i was generally like impressed I was like oh my god i would have never done that but i see where it's coming from <laughs> it's kind of it's kind of a great way to be immersed for sure I should have recorded some of it because I got mixed receptions. Like some, I went into a bubble tea, bubble tea shop. This is a, this is probably the place where I'd like to end up working ideally because like there were people my age working there, which is probably oh, yeah. the, probably would lead to the most kind of fun job. Um, but I walked in there and because there are people my age and not, I don't think many Australians actually speak Chinese. Certainly you wouldn't see someone like me normally walking into a bubble tea shop and cold opening with Chinese. So I walked into this shop and I spoke to a girl my age and I opened my mouth and I spoke Chinese to her and she was like, what? <laughs> and then, and then like, um, it like played out. And the more we kept on talking, the more everyone else in the shop got quieter. <laughs> And then it's like everyone in the shop's quiet. And then there's just this conversation going on because everyone's like, hold on, is that Chinese? That's Chinese. Because <laughs> it's like, I, th I, I think it's just a surprise. Like someone like me walks into a shop, you're not expecting someone who looks like me to start speaking Mandarin. But anyway, that was, that was fun as well to have that happen. But also like, um, yeah, I, I, I I haven't heard back from any of these places yet though. So I, I'll have to keep applying for more because I'm actually kind of keen on the idea. You know. I think it's, it's, it's a great idea. I had, um, in one of the Japanese restaurants I'm talking to, uh, to you about, I had one, uh, a friend of mine, uh, at the time while well, now she's in Japan or Korea, I'm not sure. Um, but she, she was the only non-Japanese in the in the restaurant and so i remember her telling me like the manager thought it was a good idea because most of them did not speak french and so she was kind of the translator and so it was really good they were like her and another japanese guy who could speak a bit of french as well so they were quite like key players in this restaurant and for her it was great because she was all the time with all this japanese and so she could you know hear it speak it and she said in like four months her japanese just skyrocketed before for her to go to Japan. So I think it's, when you say that, I thought of her and I was like, okay, this might become a thing <laughs> in, the, in the learning journey, but it's it's great. I, I respect you for that, for sure. That's so cool. It's That's it. What you just said is exactly what I'm like hoping for. Like I'll find a job, there'll be a mix of English and Chinese just because of the, the location and the people there. But then it's a way of making friends in that sub, the way I'd say it is it's a way of like, piercing into the sub community because it's really weird. They are geographically so close to me and yet it's really, I'm not part of that world, but I want to somehow plug in. And then once you're in, you're in, you know what I mean? Once you have one friend, then you make more and more and more. Exactly. Cause they I, basically introduce you to, yeah, their own friends. And then it goes like from here to, yeah. Yeah. Like I, I already have Chinese friends, 
but um, our relationship is well established. And so like, it, it wouldn't make sense for me to like this, it comes back to the thing we were saying earlier about having a language where you have multiple languages, which you can both speak. And sometimes you have to make the decision between whether you want to have the interesting conversation or the conversation in the language you want to practice. So with this group of friends, like I have really intense philosophical conversations with them and uh, our relationship is so established in English that for me to then, for, for us to have conversations in Chinese, my Chinese has to be a lot better because I don't want to go through that period where we can't have interesting conversations together because, you know, we're good. We're already friends. Yeah. So I think the ideal would be for me to make friends with someone who's maybe like just come to Australia and their English isn't so good. And then we kind of build up together. Like what you were saying about your Bra uh, Brazilian friend, that kind yeah. of vibe, but in real life, not yeah, virtual. Yeah, yeah. I, I'd really love for that to happen. Oh, that would that would be so cool. I remember, okay, one of my best friends is from Brazil and we used to work together for a year in the same city and then she moved and I came back to Paris. And once we went, we traveled together to Portugal, which was an amazing trip. One of my last trip before Corona. So I have really good memory of that trip. And so I remember I met her family and Brazilians are so open. They would just make you feel part of the group although you guys know each other for one minute and so they were just speaking portuguese they were just speaking it was portuguese 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 that was like smiling and just nodding and at some point they would they would just make me participate like oh what do you think they're like excuse me what <laughs> you were you were actually talking to me yeah. and after like 10 days of that of me being either it's just Portuguese from Portugal or with my friends speaking to me actually in Portuguese after like a week I was like oh wow my brain is getting accustomed to this thing so for sure when you're forced to be with people as you said someone would just come to Australia and just really trying to communicate with you after a while you just get used to it and that's that's the beauty of it even though maybe you don't speak it like much better your understanding skills are gonna get up really fast because you get to like the small wording that you don't see in books or stuff that you're not accustomed to from grammar books or the internet you get it from like a native and it's just coming right at you right at you right at you and I remember this English teacher he would not speak French during the class he was like now that you've entered this room it's going to be English you have to fight to understand oh, but it's going like to be English that. and he, he did that for a year he the, he's the only English teacher I ever liked <laughs> the only one i loved him and he was like okay this is gonna be this is gonna be english only and i remember we had some sometimes some oral exams and at the end i would switch to french like oh yeah um stuff like that and be like what are you doing this is the only opportunity you have to speak english why are you why did you switch back to french i was like oh yeah right sorry so i thought this would be better if i did it that way so i, I like, think it's, i it's like this teacher it's the, I, I think it's the best. I think it's the best. It's, it's frightening at first, but then it's, it's really good. Yeah. I really, I really don't like language classes where I go in there and I have to listen to my native language. I spent, I spent so much time trying to, I, I put so many, I implement so many measures in my life to escape it. I listen to podcasts when I'm commuting on the bus. I study in my spare time. I meet friends virtually and have conversations with them. And then when I go to a language class, if I can't escape it there, there's no hope. <laughs> oh, how, by the way, how did you, cause you, okay. I don't know if you are the 
probably everybody who's who's listening to your podcast maybe know that, but your French is really good. How did you how did you learn French? Because now I know that you've been to Lyon for three weeks. I'm extremely <laughs> curious because then it's not immersion in France that helped you, right? So I'm I'm wondering what happened there. I, I'm thinking maybe at the end of the podcast we can speak in French a bit. Um, oh yeah. I, I don't want to do it now because I know there might be some people who are listening who don't speak French. Uh, yeah. But maybe we can do a little bit of French at the end just for a bit of fun. But yeah, I'll, I'll give you the I'll give you the story of my French. But yeah, I also maybe want to note down a few things I want to come back to because although we probably never will. Um, yeah, we'll, I'll note it down. And if we don't come back to it, we don't come back to it. Um, so uh, I started learning French in primary school. So that's when it started. That's when my exposure uh, began. But I didn't really start learning it in earnest until much later, until I was in about year 10, which is my third final year of high school. So you can see there's a big, there's a big time difference between when I technically started and when I actually started learning it. Um, and that's because obviously what you do at primary school uh, is a little bit of what I call Mickey Mouse stuff. It's like you sing a few songs and you don't really, you don't really learn anything. Mm. So, um, I started in primary school. I continued through primary school. I continued through my first few years of high school, but then I moved schools. I moved schools in year, in year nine, which is my third year of high, high school. So there's year seven, first year of high school, year eight, second year of high school, year nine, third year of high school. Now I move schools. So I've come okay. to this new school in year nine and I'm in French class. And I essentially find out I'm one of the worst students in the year level, or at least in my class, which I assume is representative of the year level, because I can't follow the normal class. Like I, I, me and one other girl were like put on the side when the normal class was going and we like studied oh. different stuff because okay. we couldn't actually follow the normal class. Um, oh, wow. Okay. And I was learning how to conjugate present tense indicative verbs in year nine. Okay. <laughs> and basic, basic. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Like this is, that's like, that's the first thing you learn. So now you're getting yeah, an yeah, idea yeah. of where I was at when I was, I think at this point I must've been like, I must've been 15. So mm -hmm. basically I'm hitting the age of 15 and I'm effectively monolingual, which is, pretty, <laughs> which is, wow, that's a long, yeah, that's a long time to be uh, monolingual. Um, but then what happened was I, through year nine, I probably caught up to the average student in my year level just by like doing the normal class stuff and putting putting effort in. Like I wasn't a lazy kid. I didn't slack off in the previous years. I actually like studied hard. It was just what I was studying was like vocabulary to do with the family. And then mm. it like didn't help that much. Um, so then what happens is I arrive in year 10 and I'm starting to actually relative to my peers, I'm starting to get better because I'm putting a lot of effort into the class. Um, but I'm not, I'm not necessarily doing that much outside of class yet. Yeah. But what then happens is I decide that I want to get a perfect score for the international baccalaureate, which is my graduating high school diploma. Oh, okay. In, in year 10, which is the year, the international baccalaureate is a two year program. Okay. And, um, it starts in year 11 and then it finishes at the end of year 12 when you graduate high school. Mm -hmm. Um, so in year 10, I decide that I want to get a perfect score, which like would get me scholarships to university, etc. There are a lot of good things mm -hmm. which come with it. So I'm like, I want that. And I didn't just let it 
remain as something that I wanted, I asked myself, if I want that, how can I get that? And the first thing which you realize is to get a perfect score, you have to get a perfect score in every single subject. You can't have one subject where you're not as good as the others and then you're going to not get a perfect score, right? You're not going to get... I love how you're explaining me how the mean is working for <laughs> you to get a perfect score. Well, I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I suppose maybe I'm digressing, but it's like important for the... This is this is really what happened. This was really yeah, my thought you're... process. At this yeah. point, I wasn't a language guy. Like, I didn't realize I had a passion for languages yet. So this is really the, not only the beginning of me learning French properly, it's the beginning of me realizing... I like learning languages and there's something really cool here. Um, and it started because I wanted good academic grades. So yeah, yeah. I realized that the subject that I was most likely to not get a perfect score in was French. French. Because learning a language is not like any other subject. It's not like you can study the, study the, the memorize the content or study the content and like, do well on the exam. For example, if you have a mass exam and you haven't slacked off completely over the previous years, if you study hard for maybe a few months, you're going to do, you get, you're probably going to do all right. But with a language, even if you've got like a month before an exam, you can't, it, it's really something which it's, I refer to it as not learning something, not like learning, uh, or memorizing something really. It's, it's a skill which you're trying to acquire. And I, um, realized this before starting my international baccalaureate, I said, okay, before things start getting really difficult and I have a lot of other homework, I'm going to hammer French. So what I did was I started listening to a podcast by, uh, Johan Tekfak, Francais Authentique, Authentic mm. French, when I was commuting to school. So I... Every day when I was commuting to school, I got the transcript up on my phone of the podcast and I read and listened at the same time. And my, I live relatively far from what, where my school was. So it took me over an hour to commute to school. So wow. going there and going back, I was listening to French and I attended class and it built beyond that where I wasn't just on the bus listening to French. It was like when I was getting ready in the morning, like I have a, like I'd be, I don't have my I don't have my phone roll foam roller here, but I'd be foam rolling and stretching in the morning because at this point I was still like a competitive athlete running. Like I don't know, see all that? <laughs> holy, yeah. holy crap! Wow. Uh, okay. Yeah. So. Oh wow. Yeah, that's I'm showing for those who are listening to the podcast. I'm showing on the video call a whole bunch of <laughs> running medals. So at oh this point God. in time, I was still running. Um, so every morning I was foam rolling and stretching and I had a long morning routine. So during my whole long morning routine of doing that, I was also listening to podcasts and YouTube. So what long story short, what ended up happening was I was getting hours of listening practice in every single day plus class. So an interesting thing happened where all of a sudden I'd find myself in class saying things I didn't know how to say and in conversation, I'd like be talking with the language assistant and I'd hop off the, I'd hop if, if first period I had French, I'd hop off the bus and I'd already been listening to French for two hours. So I walk into French class and I've been going for two hours. Everyone else is coming in cold and like, I've already got all this French in, in the morning. And I'm, I'm just, it was just an amazing experience actually, like the first time learning a language because I, it's like, you're not just learning the language, but you're also learning how to learn language. 
the first time that you're learning a language. And I went through that experience with French. So French has a special place in my heart. Um, and I mean, yeah, I mean, that's how I learned it. And then on top of that, I'd like started doing language exchanges, started texting people on the various language exchange apps and then chatting with them, learning more authentic French through that. And then eventually I went to Lyon for three weeks and that it's amazing what three weeks can do if you go there and you already have a, I, I made it my mission to go to Lyon where I where, already having a level so that the default language was French, not English. I wanted to escape mm. English. And the only way to do that was to make it so that my French was better than all of my peers, all the French people's English who I was going to be interacting mm. with. I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to talk too long about it, but, uh, cause I know I'm drag, I'm dragging this on, but yeah, obviously I can talk about French for a long time because I've been studying it for a long time and I've had an interesting experience with it. I find it super interesting because that's you putting yourself, like immersing yourself in the language without actually having French around you, but using the podcasts and listening while reading as well. That's just you working on all the skills, like yeah. listening, reading, and then you go to class and then you speak French and uh, you text people. So you write in French. That's you using all the panel. That's just French life. There's a, <laughs> there's a happy ending to this story as well. Which I, is you speak French. Well, there's that, but also I, I got my perfect score. Ah! <laughs> ah, yeah, right. Oh my God. Yeah. Cause obviously at some point French was no longer a problem. And then no, you went to it. That's so cool. That's, that's the thing. I started because I wanted to do well academically. And then I stayed because yeah. I realized I love French and I love language, but yeah. That's and so cool. I, I ended up getting 99 out of a hundred after, oh. after the, Wait, you have two where? years of assessments, two years. And that was my final score. Where, where did you lose that point? Like almost like I know where it was. I know where I where, lost the point. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be Even... <laughs> I know where I lost the point. You, you, you have two years of assessments, but like you do mock assessments and then there are f ones which actually count. And the ones which actually count is you have, you have two orals and mm -hmm. then you have a reading exam and a, and a writing exam. And, okay. oh, and a, and a written task, which is not an exam, but you like have to write it up and you, it's like mm. an assignment rather than a timed exam. Um, I know which point was the one on my reading exam. I was sitting there and I had too much time. So I was going over every question over and over and over. And I did, I made the fatal i made the classic error of changing my answer at the at the last ah, last time okay the, last minute <laughs> yeah, the question the question was asking about what um what the the a verb was used in a passage cultive cultive mm -hmm. that was the that was the mm -hmm. verb used to cultivate and the question was asking is the verb used to say développer or faire pousser yeah yeah that's yeah. so like so like to develop or to like grow plants or yeah whatnot. like yeah 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 like cult like cultivate a plant mm -hmm. and the, the 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 thing is it was it was the verb was couched in a metaphor so literally it was uh -huh. talking about developing plants but uh you know what I mean? Figuratively, it yeah, wasn't. Yeah, yeah, so Okay. That's where it was. Oh, I know right. that. That's got to be the point. You know where it was. Oh, my God. But that's, by the way, that's really interesting because the way you guys are evaluated in languages um, are quite close to what we have. Because um, in France as well, we have these four 
over the two years we have this or I don't know, no, it's the last year though. Everything happened on the last year. You have the writing exam, reading comprehension, you have the and you have the oral examination, which the oral examination is quite weird. We have four themes, which is like, I think it was uh, prog progress and development, um, space and exchanges, myth and heroes, and one uh, uh, form and of powers and places of power, something like that. And you can be questioned about one of these four themes and so you're gonna have a discussion with the instructor about one of these four teams for like 20 minutes. And then you have the writing exam, which is you have to write about a subject. You have question about a text, et cetera. And so we have this way of being evaluated. And that's quite, that's quite interesting to see. For you guys, it lasts over two years. I guess for us, it's just one, the last year of high school, we have these four uh, skills tested out. And yeah, yeah that's, that was interesting to see how we had this uh, in common between Australia and France. Yeah, well, that being said, the international baccalaureate is uh, is international. Like um, oh. most most people here in in Victoria, which is the state of Australia in which I live, they do a thing called the VCE, the Victorian Certificate of Education, which oh. is a little bit okay. different. But I mean, that, yeah. so in in Australia, okay, so for you it's kind of special because you had like the international baccalaureate, but for the other Australian going for let's say the more basic path let's say um they they don't have the sort of baccalaureate for the the state there's not like such a there is oh. there is oh, okay. but it's a different one like oh, okay. Okay, okay imagine like a the victorian certificate of education is the victorian back and then the okay. international baccalaureate is just another one which you can do okay okay because <laughs> because for us it's like all french students take the baccalaureate at the same time like during the year it's like you have one yeah. week of like you know math physics well depending on your because i'm like math physics no that was me but depending on your you know your major in high school uh, if you have science or if you have literature or if you have economics which changed because i'm getting old <laughs> it's, it's not exactly the same now but at uh, the time it was one of these three then you have to take a test for like a week and all french students take it at the same time like you talk about it on the news, like it's the fi finally the baccalaureate season for the students, etc. And so that's quite interesting to to see happening. So okay, but for you it's it's different. Okay. Well, I don't I don't want to go on about this for too long. Yeah, <laughs> but, like, yeah, but yeah, I, when, I can. If you're doing the VCE, everyone mm -hmm. takes the exam at the same time in the state. If you're doing yeah, the yeah. national baccalaureate, everyone doing that examination session takes the exam at the same time i think but the problem mm. is it's international so you have the yeah, yeah. the the you have the may session and the november session anyway okay anyway mm. that's <laughs> the good thing is after that you were able to actually go and and have your perfect course that's quite interesting yeah. that's really cool yeah oh my god i worked hard for it <laughs> it took it, <laughs> so you it drained me for the next, like the year afterwards at university i like couldn't study Cause I, for two years I'd gone ham and I was like the, yeah, like I did study, but I just was nowhere near at the same level. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> also, Hey, so speaking of university, I'm studying mechanical engineering. 
You said you're yeah, a mechanical engineer. Yeah, I, I saw that on your on your your Instagram as well. Sometimes you put some integrals and so on. I'm like, ah, yeah, good memories. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, right. I I I studied mechanical engineering for the you know the five years for yeah for through through the master degree. And I remember, okay, at first I didn't want to become an engineer. I thought I would become a doctor. And I realized I don't like bodies so much, uh, blood, everything. Nope. <laughs> and so I was like, yeah, maybe I should change my 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 path as I still can and I thought okay what can I do as a job that would still enable me to travel and use languages which is not language related like languages actually but still science related because I love science and I thought wow there are so many companies where you can work abroad and still do it in English but it could be anywhere I'm gonna be an engineer and so and so I went for any French engineering school and we had some a lot of university you could partner with. So I did What's one school? university. In, it's called uh, yeah, yeah um, Arie Métier, Paris Tech. Ah, <laughs> I know, you know? Arie I know it. Yeah. Okay. I, so <laughs> a, a wow. French, yeah, a French exchange student who came here last year, and I spent a lot of yeah. time with her. She was at um, uh, Paris 2, I think, doing law. So, okay. But her brother was at. Okay. Yeah. So we have actually um, uni University of Melbourne in Queensland, I think. That's mine. That's my university. Mel Mel okay. Mel I have University. a lot of friends who went there. We have maybe every year something like 15 students going to there. And uh, for me, my goal was Japan. I was like, I'm going to Japan. I don't care how or when I'm going to university in Japan. And so I saw that my school had a partnership with one of the university in Tokyo. And I was like, I'm doing that. So I'm gonna have great grades because I wanna go there. And when I went to Japan and I did like a research exchange over there, I came back to France. I was like, no, no, I still wanna go abroad. So I looked for a university in Germany and I was like, yep, yeah, I'm going there to finish my master. No <laughs> and way. so after that, I went to, to Germany. So yeah, that was, Really, really cool experience. I, I've got a question for you. Very art métier question. Um, yeah. Do you have the Gadzar title? Yeah, I do. <laughs> <laughs> I am a Gadzar. What, are you, what, are, what did I you do in the first year when you're all, all meant to grow long beards? So that the men do that for the girls, just, you know, just get your long hair growing. Yeah. So, but my hair are, you know, as you can see here, these are reds. I can decide to bread like and have, you know, we are adding like fake hair. I could make them go until my knee if I wanted to. <laughs> so I just like had like really long one. And then when it was over, you know, when you kind of become a Gadzar and then you cut it, I just cut them. But again, for me, it's not that much of a, not that big of a deal yeah. because these are fake. So I was just like, yeah, I'm going to cut them all. <laughs> and so that, that's how it happens. But yeah, you, well, that's I how you see how tradition going all the way to Australia. And I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> It's crazy. I, 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 I feel like we should give context though, because this is such an obscure, like this is, I don't feel like many people are going to be following what we're saying right now. Like, yeah, I, from, from my perspective, um, you, if, if I'm a little bit off, you can kind of calibrate and correct. Yeah. But, um, in, in France, they have things called grand école and that's they're kind of like universities but they're uh, think of them maybe as almost like private universities and no private sounds like you have to pay to enter this right. it's more like to get actually we okay to get into university you only need to have your high school degree like your baccalaureate 
Once you have it, and if the university is in your area, you're gonna go there. The harder now is to just keep getting, being in the university and graduating year by year. What we have is called Kronzikal or like what they call like elite schools, where you go yeah. through two years of hardcore preparation in yeah. prep schools. So your two years of high school for me were the two years after high school where you study. That's all you do. You study your ass off until you're gonna get the competitive exams that last for like a week, a month. You have a month of competitive writing exams and then a month of oral examinations. And interviews so, and... Exactly. So that last, that's draining. And once you finish this, you, you get to enter one of these, this consequent. We could be either uh, engineering or um, business schools. Like we have ASIC or I should stay in these kinds of business schools. And the thing is, it's really different from any other place because if you want to do engineering, you have to go to this consequent. Most people do it through competitive exams, but some people, for instance, go to university and after they do their license, they can apply for consequent with their um, their grades from university. But it's not like the main path. For us, usually it's after high school. You have to have really good grades to get into prep school that is like one of the best prep schools. So the prep schools in Paris are the hardest to get into. And then you have some prep schools I know in Lyon, they have like a good one as well and so it depends where you're doing your prep school but basically some prep school are really known for sending people to polytechnique or one of the top 10 some prep school are you know just yeah there are many engineering schools then the ranking changed within france but then consequent are really obscure for the rest of the world because they're like what is the consequent why didn't you get to university but because you know you have to go through these guys yeah. but it's not private because you don't pay for those like yeah pay like you would pay you know a private school with like high fees. Honestly, my fees at Arimetier was like 1,000 euro per year. So <laughs> I think you don't have that in much university abroad. Even in Japan, I thankfully had a scholarship because everywhere else you pay a lot of money, so. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think I think, I think, think maybe I said private for like the the prestige associated, the idea of prestige, mm -hmm. but yeah, oh, I, yeah, I see. It's not, it wasn't quite right, but um. But then the, the other thing is, I think a lot of these, like here, for example, in, we have, we have private high schools and then a, there's mm. like, they're like, there's like this, there's like this collective of private high schools where they all have their own history and culture. Mm. And I kind of mapped that idea onto the, oh, yeah. Gold, because I know like what we were just talking about with the Gadzar, like mm. each kind of school has its own culture and history. Yeah. And, Definitely, because actually they are the two two of the oldest schools in French engineering school are Arimetier and Polytechnique, and because they're so old, they are charged with a lot of traditions that come from when they opened back in the 19th century. So the, the they have all these. It's really cool because when when I was in Japan, for instance, I met a lot of Gazar and they have this strong attachment to the school, and they're like, "We're gonna help you settle here. Um, just ask any question, feel free, right?" So it's just basically the network is huge, because it's really an old school with like big facilities so many students coming out of it all, all the time but yeah yeah definitely but it's really fun to see how far this tradition stuff has reached <laughs> all the way to your ears <laughs> that's crazy I, so i i think i'm a very unrepresentative sample though i think yeah you took, you took a thousand australians you'd probably find one who's like is aware of this you know what i mean it just so happens that I like yeah. hung out with a French person whose brother went to that, you know, the, the I'm actually thinking yeah. of maybe going there and studying. Oh my God. Oh yeah. Kidding. Right. Cause that would be okay. Cause you have, yeah. Oh my Melbourne God. I University's hope Corona got the, will be over. Well, hopefully you, the, the partnership. 
-hmm. Yeah, because you can you can go and enjoy. Um, so yeah, that's one of the thing I, I I really enjoy about our studies. You can go, but I guess study in general because now it's really encouraged is to be able to do this, um, going abroad for a couple of time and experiencing science in another place. For me, I, I loved comparing what our our science classes looked like um, in different countries, you know, how we handled calculus and actually the point of view, which can be super theoretical for us, we have to go through theory. We're going to demonstrate everything be before using any formula. Very but in the French. States, I remember they were like, well, we have the formula. We start with the activities to see how it works. I was like, what? How do you can you use something when you don't know where it's coming from, right? And so that was really also another way to see how people think. And this is something you see in the language. I feel like English is an action language. When I when I had to write my resume in English and I sent it to my mentor, it was like, it looks fine, but you have to change the perspective. You have to show really what you've done, like using action verbs. And I was like, yeah, that's that's in the mentality. When I speak with my manager from the States, he's really, okay, so Deanna, you did amazing there, uh, but this, you know, you need to kind of do it that way. So really emphasizing like what you did well to kind of pass then more negative feedback behind and really like highlighting the actions. Whereas with my German uh, colleagues, it's directly super direct feedback. Like, okay, this you need to change. This is different. I would calculate this differently. And, you know, it's really interesting to see how in the language and in the culture, it's different way of thinking. And you can find it as well in the method we are when we use doing science as well. And I found it crazy amazing. Yeah. I've I've enjoyed that too, like seeing that having other it's just a mosquito. Having other <laughs> also, you know, this whole time I there are two spiders on my wall, like directly in front of me that I've just been watching. One is directly oh now above my bed and I've watched him like migrate across the wall. So I'm so scared of Australia for that reason. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I swear to God, I feel like you could have said there's an alligator like outside of my house right there. Um, and, you know, two killing spiders on my wall and be like, oh, yeah. my God, this country. I'm in my bedroom <laughs> and right now there are four spiders in my field of view. What what size? <laughs> well, three of them are daddy long legs, so they're not concerning. One of them, uh... I don't know what it is. Oh, my God. But it's not that big. <laughs> but anyway, you know, oh my God. I, I was just going to say, I also find it really interesting to draw, like having other interests and then relating it back to language learning, I've found very interesting. Like, um, I'll, I'll try and keep this brief, but it's just an example of using an analogy. In one of my engineering subjects, I was studying uh, the difference between like digital and analog signals and things yeah. and i related it back to i related it back to kind of language levels in reality language proficiency is a continuous thing right like it's not like mm -hmm. you you're like it's not like you're here and then here and then here in if you were if you're here and you were once here you kind of ha you had to have been somewhere in between along the way like over the years and Despite this, we represent when we kind of talk about I'm C2, I'm C1, we right. talk about in using discrete language. And mm. the problem with using these uh, broad, discrete categorizations of language proficiency is it's very low resolution, meaning you say you're B1, but you really don't know what that means. You might actually be a B1 who's really good at speaking, but not good at other skills. 
or you might be a B1 who's never been to the country and has no appreciation of the culture or a B1 who's has been to the country and has got a lot of appreciation of the culture. Um, so you see really when you say you're a B1, it doesn't give you much information compared to the, the, the long spiel. So that's like the concept of having this like discrete sampling of something. Whereas if you were to get the continuous kind of version of it, you'd get all of the detail. And then I just, when, when I was thinking about, I, I was in class learning about analog and digital systems. And then this idea came to me and I, cause I, for some reason connected it to language learning. I'm like, I like doing that. I find that really cool. Um, but like the, the reason language levels exist is because while it's low resolution, you can communicate a lot of low resolution information really quickly. I'm B1 or I'm, I'm, I'm C1. The person knows I can have a conversation with this person. I don't know anything else, but like, I don't know much, but it gives you a, a lot of info, low, low resolution information really quickly. Anyway, it's, and even though, even though the analogy is imperfect, it's just kind of useful to use the language of discrete and continuous and link the ideas because it kind of gives you an image, which goes along with the idea. I think that's something which comes along with having other interests and a language learning interest. Yeah. Agree. Yeah. Um, you also, you were talking about, you've mentioned, you've mentioned America, Japan, Germany, Guinea, France, <laughs> Mali, like, you know, I actually went on your Instagram and I looked at all, I was trying to look at the places you've been. I saw, I saw Seoul. So I saw Korea, yeah. I saw Germany. I saw Poland, London, Portugal, Belgium, Japan, Spain. So the question is, where haven't you been? <laughs> Many places. You know what? Actually, before this pandemic session, I wanted to go to Brazil. I've never been to South America and I was going to be my go-to place. Um, I've never actually been there. Uh, and, and I want to be, I want to go there because I feel like culturally they are such warm people. I wanna, <laughs> so I want to experience that for sure. Um, really, really wanted to go there. And also Africa. I mean, there's so many places I've never been to. I'm, I'm currently, I've never been to like the, the South region of Africa, um, like Malawi, Zimbabwe, South Africa, the country itself. So there are so many places I still want to explore that would be crazy i wanted to go to new zealand because it, it's it looks amazingly nice i've never been to australia so again so many places i have to go to and uh hopefully when we get this under control then definitely would, would yeah. keep going there yeah how do you think like do you think you've traveled so much partly because of your interest in languages um i would say i have the interest for languages because i love meeting people and I found this amazing to, you know, see the difference between us and try to understand what's going on there. So primarily because I love to meet new people. I love that really just discuss with new people, discuss about their background and learn from them. This is, there's always something super interesting about people. You just have to dig and they, they have something, right? And so for me, it was mostly because of that. And also it's crazy to see how things are different. So you get to appreciate your country more and also you get to see what could be changed in your own country. Uh, and and I think that's, that's, that's great. Uh, you, you get another appreciation of where you're from and also you get new perspective and new point of views and just you meet people right and i i found that crazy good but and then with you know the language makes it um 
the problem is that you get interested in some countries and you're like, oh, I could learn that language. And you're like, no, you know, <laughs> please focus. <laughs> you gotta focus there. But uh, yeah, for me, I would say primarily because I also love history. I love going to museums. And so I love learning about just a place, about the history of the place. So when I go to travel, I get to see new type of architecture, new way of thinking, um, and places where I never thought I could go actually are just, wow, blowing my mind. And so just primarily because of that, because, you know, I'm a huge lover, for instance, of Japanese. So going to, I mean, Poland was not <laughs> related to that, for instance. But in the end, it's just for me being super open about discovering new people a new type of you know thinking and it's just great yeah yeah i yeah i totally relate to that i get it i do want to travel more but i mean now is not a good time in history <laughs> to be saying that <laughs> anyway also I mean, maybe for me it's easier to travel because traveling in europe is so easy no need a visa i can take a train i'm in germany i take another train i mean i don't know denmark it's you know, that's, that makes Europe really easy and open and can be super cheap. So I guess when you're in an island in the middle of the ocean, <laughs> even just going to the mainland, like the continent, it becomes a bit like a bit, an expedition, but for you, sure. Um, you should look at a, a map of Australia superimposed on Europe and it'll, then you'll kind of get a greater right. appreciation. Yeah, you'll get a greater appreciation of the size of Australia. Because it covers yeah. most of it, it covers Eastern Europe. Like if you want to oh go God. from once, like the East Coast to the West Coast of Australia, you're like going from, I'm going to get this wrong because people are now going to look up the map and they're going to be like, Ace, <laughs> you got it wrong. I'll say it anyway. Like you might go from the UK to like maybe even further than Germany. You know oh, what I wow. mean? Like oh, it's going to wow. be, okay. be more than that even. I Like I don't know, further than Poland. And, yeah, I'm going to get it wrong. But anyway, let me. Oh, wow. No, wait, I have it there. And I don't know if this is correct or not, but this is like, this is over Europe. It's oh, wow, literally yeah, like, over Europe. So I it's, hope it's that's like, correct. Yeah. Yeah. But I hope so I, I haven't been duped. This one is... <laughs> so, I haven't been duped into like, believing Australia is big. No, nah, but it, yeah, I'm 99% sure. huge. Yeah, yeah that's looks, all of Eastern yeah, Europe. When... Yep. Wow. So for sure, right? So for me, traveling Europe is like for you just going into places in Australia. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. so definitely, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you have these maps where you actually see the countries in there and then you can see like France is in there and then you have Germany, wow. Port Portugal, you have Italy. I don't know if that's true. Okay. You know, so... People, let's check sources, but yeah, yeah, for yeah. sure, this looks huge. Yeah, there you go. Wow. Um, I know you said you have a, what was it, an aerobics class? Yeah, I have an Arabic class in like, woo, in 15 minutes. All right. Thankfully, it is my homework okay. yesterday. <laughs> Gosh. <laughs> so that's that's good. All right. Well, maybe maybe I'll ask you like one more thing then and we'll yeah. maybe wrap, wrap up with some French. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Just for a bit of fun. But um, the, the, the something which I we haven't got around to yet, but I wanted to ask about was your experiences on exchange. Like... You said you went to Germany. You said you went to Japan. I know my experience on on exchange in France was just so fantastic. I want to do more, but I want to hear about what your experience was like. How was it meeting people? How was it in terms of learning the language? That kind of thing. Mm, so for me, I'd say, you know, it, it definitely depends on, on the person, um, but I'm very open. Sometimes maybe 
too excited <laughs> for some people, right? But I generally appreciate the moment. So people are really just, I like to be positive. I feel like when you're positive, people around you are going to, you know, get positive as well and then bring the best out of them. So I'm always very curious, generally listening to what you have to tell me, right? So when you go with the state of mind in a country, people are, you know, also really positive and willing to show you around, right? Because when I went to Japan, I was so excited. It's like, I want to experience everything. <laughs> so my friend were like, okay, let's, let's do this. Let's see there. Let's, you know, I was, I was really trying to understand people's behavior. I, I tried to never take anything personally and try to understand why would they say something like that? Well, for instance, I'm, which is not a French thing, right? But I'm really, I like to hug and I, I would be really, uh, how do you say that? Tactile? Like, touchy sometimes yeah. it's not a Japanese thing right it is not so I remember even at the end when when I finished the the research exchange program and I wanted to hug the the PhD student I was um you know studying with right and I, I went for a hug and the guy was literally leaving some space between us <laughs> and it was the most awkward hug of my entire life you know I could have think oh my god maybe you think I don't know I stink or is we weren't that close and then I was like you know Keep it in mind, it's not a thing. If you go in a country and someone wants you <laughs> to like uh, hug you or want to kiss you on the mouth and you're like, what the hell is going on, right? So he made the effort, you know, so meet people halfway. And when you do that and try to really understand a people's behavior, like in the spectrum of their own culture, it becomes, it becomes like an amazing experience for me. So for me, Japan was awesome. And Germany as well, you know, getting, that was my experience. Having German friend was hard. Because they have their group of friends since um, middle school. So to enter one of this group of friends, it's hard. You feel you might feel alone at some point. You're like, okay, I've been in this university for six months and I have, I don't really feel like I have friends, but you know, I was still trying to understand and 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 still be myself and show that I really want to be part. And after some point, they finally included me, right? So it depends on really trying to understand like how the culture of the country works and how people are you're not a king you're not like the amazing thing thing that are going to bring joy to their life right you have to to be willing to you know I, I would say i had a friend like that she was like i don't understand i'm a foreign exchange student why wouldn't it be so interested by me etc i'm like why would they be who are you <laughs> you are the one we're learning from them right so you need to you know, you need to open up and really show that you're interesting and you're learning from them. And then they would generally want to help you out and, and bring you to the group, etc. So I guess you have to go with an open mind and, and be willing to learn and also understand that they're not doing things because they want to hurt you, hopefully, unless you're with bad people. <laughs> but, it's, <laughs> but it's really related, you know, to the culture. And as I said, German can be, you know, the feedback can be harsh sometimes. And you really not need, you can't take that personally, right? They're really targeting, I don't know if it's your, your work or when you are in a study group, they might say, no, this is shit. And you're like, oh, wow, <laughs> I would not have <laughs> said it like this, right? So, but it's really, it's, it's an interesting way. Just go with an open mind because you don't know people's background and culture and they don't know your, so you guys need to learn together so definitely okay cool i actually i've got like three podcast episodes already released and one of them is actually advice for a for study abroad oh <laughs> so and that's nice. pretty much that's pretty much what i said i one of the things i said was you know go in there with like an open mind not everything's going to go perfectly you're going to have culture shock but if you go in yeah. there ready for it ready for a challenge that can you can kind of transform these things which are a little bit stressful into 
growth experiences and things which can actually be the highlight of your trip. You go, wow, that was shocking, but it made me gain perspective. It made me understand things more. Yeah. Okay. Completely agree. Yeah. So I think maybe we'll, we'll leave the English speaking audience behind. I'll, uh, maybe what I'll do is cause I'm going to, every podcast episode will have a transcript accompanying it. So maybe if English speaking people want to follow on from here on, we'll, uh, I'll have an English translation in the transcript, but otherwise, you know, th thanks for listening for this long. You're, you're, you are champions if you made it this far into the podcast. Um, <laughs> but à partir de maintenant, ça va être le français. Okay. Ouh, allez, c'est parti. <laughs> uh, ça va être un peu compliqué là. Je... Non, ça va aller, tu t'en <laughs> sors très bien. La première fois en fait qu'on a parlé en français d'ailleurs ensemble, euh, je veux dire une, une vraie conversation, c'était pendant le Polyglot Conference. Je ouais. sais pas si tu te souviens, on avait, ouais, on avait je, je bougé dans bien. une... Mm -hmm. Ouais, ouais, je m'en me, je souviens bien. Donc ah. franchement, à ce moment-là, j'étais vraiment surpris. Je me suis dit, waouh, et c'est là où j'ai pensé. Ah ben en fait, ça fait, il est venu peut-être un ou deux ans en France et tout. <rire> et donc c'est comme ça qu'il a <rire> appris semaines. le français. Le choc quand tu m'as dit trois semaines, je me suis dit, bon, il euh, y a un truc que j'avais pas du tout capté non. en fait. Et donc, euh, mais je trouve ça vraiment intéressant maintenant avec ton histoire de podcast, etc. Je vois que tu étais vraiment immergé dans la dans la langue en fait euh, avec euh, bah tu je suis oublié comment tu avais dit qu'il s'appelait le podcast ça peut être intéressant même pour euh, français authentique français. mais euh, français authentique ça c'est le podcast avec lequel j'ai commencé parce que mm. c'était du langage plutôt basique euh, mm. c'était fait pour un étranger pour apprendre la langue euh, à bout d'un certain temps c'est bien de commencer à regarder des youtubeurs, écouter des podcasts qui sont faits pour mm -hmm. les français. Ouais. Les podcasts, euh, ouais. Mais, tu, mais tu, tu regardes qui pardon Alors, je vais pas te mentir, hein, je suis pas une grande grande fan de contenu français. Donc chaque fois qu'on me demande euh, <rire> est-ce que tu as un film ou une série, je me sens toujours très coincé. Mais mais il y a quand même des youtubeurs que j'aime bien, donc je suis quand même curieuse de savoir quel euh, quel contenu français toi tu consommes en fait. Um, ça dépend, ça dé ça dépend mm. de moments. Euh, J'aime bien Cyprien, le ouais. youtubeur. Je, je pense vraiment qu'il s'épanouit dans son travail. Il a commencé en faisant ce, ce stand-up, entre guillemets, ce stand-up, mm. ce style. Mais maintenant, mm. il fait des courts-métrages et ouais. des. Ouais, euh, il, a il fait des. Euh, comment ça s'appelle Bande dessinée Ouais, exactement. Des ouais, BD. Donc, mm, mm, mm. Des BD, ouais. <rire> Donc, il, il change, il... Ah, c'est quoi le mot C'est très diversifié, finalement, ce qu'il fait. Il, il, est très, euh, il est très diversifié dans son il travail. Il prend des risques. Ça... Exactement. Ouais, et je trouve ça très intéressant. Et... Parce que c'est un mec qui... Ça se voit qu'il qu aime son travail. Et ouais. il fait ce qu'il veut faire. C'est pas comme si... Bon, ok, maintenant ça marche, je vais continuer à faire ça. Non, c'est pas du tout ça. C'est j'aime mon travail, je vais faire ce que je veux et je veux m'épanouir dans mon travail. Et j'aime bien suivre quelqu'un qui est comme ça. 
Oui, ouais, ouais. mais je trouve, ça, je trouve ça assez intéressant aussi parce que bah, tu grandis aussi. Donc, euh, ton, ton centre d'intérêt, bah, tes centres d'intérêt et tes, tes capacités, elles évoluent. Et j'avais trouvé ça, je ne sais plus où j'avais lu ça, mais une histoire de quand tu n'évolues pas, tu deviens une caricature de toi-même. Et à certains youtubeurs où tu as, as l'impression que… C'était le mot que, que je cherchais tout à l'heure. Ah, caric... ah c'est vrai, caricature Non, non, ah, non, non évoluer, évoluer. Évoluer, évoluer. évoluer. Bah, c'est ça. Son travail. Son tra... bah, je... travail, évolue. Ouais, je trouve aussi, on, on, voit une, on voit une évolution dans ce travail et je trouve qu'à partir d'un certain moment, si tu n'évolues bah, si pas, en fait, on a l'impression que tu essaies juste de refaire ce que tu faisais euh, au début et donc pas forcément aussi bien d'ailleurs ou juste plus adapté à je sais pas moi, ton âge ou ton, ton audience. Et du coup, c'est quand même intéressant d'avoir des gens comme ça qui, qui évoluent. Donc, il y a Cyprien, est-ce qu'il y a peut-être des films ou des séries aussi que, que tu aimes bien Ouf. Euh, pas vraiment des séries que j'aime bien, mais il y a des séries que j'ai regardées, mais il mm -hmm. y a des podcasts que j'aime bien. Et mm -hmm. pour, pour les gens qui cherchent du contenu en français, mm. je vous recommande fortement le podcast qui s'appelle Nouvelle École et aussi okay. un podcast qui s'appelle... Euh, euh, ah, pourquoi c'est par slate.fr. Je ne sais pas pourquoi. Okay. Ça, ça, fait, ça fait un moment que je n'ai pas écouté, mais c'est vraiment euh, un bon podcast. Je, je vais les maintenant. noter parce que ça peut être même utile pour certains. Tu sais, j'ai des échanges en français avec certains euh, mm. étrangers. Donc, euh, si je peux avoir des recommandations ah. de quelqu'un qui a, qui a appris le français, euh, je, suis, je suis preneuse. Donc, on a dit nouvelle école. Et puis… C'est pour, pour les Français quand même. Je n'imagine pas oui, oui, oui. qu'il y aura… J'imagine pas qui est <rire> beaucoup de beaucoup d'étrangères qui l'écoutent. D'étrangères Mais... qui, qui écoutent, bon. Ok, l'autre euh, podcast, ça, ça s'appelle Transfert. Transfert. Je kiffe. Je kiffe. <rire> ok, Transfer, je note. Transfert, Nouvelle je... École, ce sont mes podcasts préférés. Ok, voilà. bah, écoute, je vais les noter. C'est des choses, euh, voilà, c'est toujours... Euh... Pas mal de voir ce qui peut plaire à une audience, on va dire, de personnes qui a un, un bon niveau en français, mais pas forcément, voilà, pas forcément français. J'écoute pas énormément de podcasts en français, donc euh, même pour moi, finalement, personnellement, j'ai envie de tester et puis je te dirai ce que, ce que j'en pense, que je connais pas ouais, du ouais. tout. Ouais, 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 c'est intéressant, ouais. Super, super. l'école, c'est vraiment, euh, c'est un mec qui, <rire> j'ai toujours du mal avec ce mot, interview, interview. Uh -huh. <rire> interview. Ah. Ouais, c'est très bizarre qui... parce que c'est un mot ouais. en anglais ouais, qu'il faut prononcer à la française. Ouais, exactement. Alors, c'est un mec qui interviewe des gens qui... Qui... qui sortent des sentiers battus. Oh. Et c'est ça qui est intéressant. Il y a des, des humoristes, il y a des danseuses, il y a, il y a tout. Mais chacun est vraiment quelqu'un de très intéressant. Il y a des youtubeurs, des blogueurs. Et ouais. Ouais, c'est vraiment, c'est vraiment, c'est un podcast qui est, ça parle, ça parle de la vie. Je sais pas comment l'expliquer. C'est vraiment. Mais je trouve ça, je trouve ça cool. C'est comme tu dis, il y a plein de personnalités différentes, donc ça veut dire que voilà, tu, tu t'ennuies pas. C'est jamais les mêmes types de discours, les mêmes points de vue, et donc ça, ça donne envie. J'aimerais bien que mon podcast soit un peu comme ça. Il y a des gens, mmh. qui, des gens qui viennent, je parle avec eux, c'est jamais la même chose, c'est jamais trop... Enfin, parfois, ça peut être, parfois, ça peut être préparé, mais j'aime bien... Par exemple, maintenant, on n'a rien préparé, et ça, c'est bien passé, parce que c'était authentique, <rire> tu vois. Et c'est ça qui... 
le fait que la conversation soit authentique fait en sorte que ça soit intéressant. Je ne crois pas croire qu'on ait parlé pendant aussi longtemps. Wow, bah, ouais. Ça fait presque et... une heure et demie. <rire> ouais. Et je ne <rire> sais pas si tu 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 t'en as tu t'en tu t'en as rendu compte, mais on a ça a pas coupé. C'était censé être. Je te l'ai dit. À... Je t'ai dit. Je t'ai dit que j'avais déjà fait des cours avec Zoom et que ça avait dépassé les 40 minutes. Donc je sais pas d'où ça vient cette histoire de 40 minutes parce que moi ça n'a jamais coupé et je fais rarement ça des, des ça cours arrivé. de moins de. de... C'est vrai. Oh, ouais, wow. Ça m'étonne. C'est moi. Ça m'étonne. C'est grâce que ça à moi. <rire> ouais. Eh ben c'est ouais. moi. C'est euh, la magie de <rire> Diana <rire> ouais. qui opère du coup. Mais euh, ouais, c'est franchement, je, je trouve que voilà, ça peut, c'est intéressant d'avoir des conversations comme ça sur plein de sujets. Je pense qu'on a tellement de points en commun. Euh, on, a, on, ouais. on étudie tous les deux la science. Enfin, on étudie. Moi, j'ai terminé. <rire> Moi, je travaille. Mais on a tous les deux un, un, des, 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 des backgrounds similaires. On a, voilà, on aime les langues et je pense que ça fait que la conversation, elle, elle coule. Et, et je trouve ça vraiment intéressant. J'avais, j'ai jamais fait de podcast ni quoi que ce soit. Donc, je trouve ça assez cool d'en avoir fait un avec toi. Je trouve ça assez ouais. marrant. Pour, pour être honnête, moi aussi, je n'en ai pas fait trop. <rire> oh, là, bon, on apprend ensemble non, avec on, les, ouais, les moyens du On voir. se débrille bien. Hein. Je pense Exactement. que ça s'est bien passé. Okay, ouais, on... En tout cas, je, voilà, je suis vraiment contente d'avoir fait ça avec toi. Euh, sur ce, je vais partir faire mon, mon cours de ah, « à la ouais. vie <rire> » ouais. et donner tout ce que ah. je veux. Et puis voilà, j'ai… Attends. Arabic. Oui. Ah Je pensais que c'était… <rire> Aerobics. Maintenant que tu dis Arabie, je... Oh, en ah, anglais, non, je, non, pensais non, que... non. je pensais que tu disais Aerobics. Et puis... Quand... C'est quelle langue, ça C'est pas une langue. Aerobics, ah, c'est... C'est le sport Ouais Non Et t'as dit, t'as fait des, tes devoirs Et j'étais... Je buggais. <rire> non, 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 j'ai cours okay. d'arabe. J'apprends okay. l'arabe littéraire et de, égyptien. Et donc, oui, non, 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 je, je ne vais pas faire okay. d'aérobic. J'irai peut-être courir après, en tant que grand euh, master de la course. <rire> je demanderai peut-être quelques conseils. Mais non, non, j'ai cours d'arabe d'ici une minute. Mais voilà, je suis vraiment contente okay. d'avoir fait ce, ce podcast ouais, avec et toi. Et puis, euh, merci voilà, je suis contente de, de rester en contact avec toi aussi, du coup. Ouais, ouais, moi aussi, il euh, faut qu'on... Faut qu'on se parle, c'était une conversation hyper intéressante. Ok, donc bon, oui, je, je te laisse faire ton, ton cours d'arabe et merci du fond du cœur d'être venu parler avec moi et faire ce podcast. Ça m'a fait hyper plaisir. Ok, et um, au niveau, au niveau de, des choses techniques, on, on se parle plus yep. tard. Ok, ok. Ça marche, mais je t'enverrai juste tout. Bye bye. Ok, ciao, ciao. All right, guys, that's all for today's episode. I hope that you enjoyed listening to it because I genuinely had so much fun recording this episode. Deanna was a lot of fun to chat to. She was really interesting. And I'd like to thank her again for taking the time to come and have this chat with me. Uh, if you want to go follow her on Instagram, I'll put a link to her Instagram uh, in the podcast description, or at least I'll put her Instagram handle. But if you want to just directly go and find her, you can find her using the, the handle Deanna underscore Sia. So the way you spell that is D-I-E-N-A underscore S-L-L-A. But otherwise, just look in the podcast description. It'll be there. Um, also, you're more than welcome to follow me on Instagram or any other social media platform. You can find me using the handle at officialacebuck. Uh, that'll also be in the podcast description. 
If you've made it this far, you're an absolute champion. And I don't know, something which could just be a little bit of fun is if you have Twitter, hop on Twitter, find me at official Buck, and tweet me the word aerobics. And that way I'll know that you listen to the end of this podcast episode and I can see if there's anyone out there who's uh, listening all the way to the end, enjoying listening to these as much as I am enjoying making them. All right, so that's all for today and I'll see you guys in the next podcast episode.